This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, in two weeks, the doll will return and this next uh, session of the doll will be Micheál Martin's last in this government term as Taoiseach. In mid-December, Leo Varadkar will take over and become Taoiseach. It's never been done before, as far as I know, and it may lead to some interesting questions about who will take up very important ministries. For example, the Minister for Finance in the next government, could it be Pascal Donoghue, who holds that post at the moment? Uh, there will be a lot of upheavals. But as we've seen in Britain, with their shenanigans and their leadership contest, which has become a bit of a joke, governing at this time in the circumstances the world is in is very difficult to discuss what lies ahead? We're joined by Finon Sheehan. Finon is Ireland editor of the Irish Independent, and nobody knows that uh, wonderful place, Lancer House, better than he does. Finon, you wouldn't want to be really in government at this stage in the game if you had options, but they don't have options. Can I ask you first about Robert Troy, who was forced to resign as a minister last week because he owned 11 properties, uh, and he had not declared all of them. He was supported pretty wholeheartedly by uh, both the Taoiseach, Michael Martin, and the Tonish de Leo but he had to go in the end when the scale of his, shall we say, memory, uh, faulty memory, became known. Yeah, and and the Taoiseach and Tonish uh, spent an awful lot of kind of political capital and, and energy on continually defending Robert Troy over the over the course of, of two weeks. The Tonist and Finnegan leader Leo Vradker, you know, ultimately, you know, saying over oh, top top minister works in his department of enterprise, doing a great job. Mihal Martin uh, also standing by him. So there seem to be a couple of factors in play. Uh Mihal Martin not wanting to ditch uh, another minister after uh, previous departures uh, of, of Barry Cowan and Derek Caleri in the early stages of, of the coalition. And Leo Bradker's moral authority is substantially undermined, uh, by his own behavior, 
yeah. with that that leaking of what was a confidential document. Now he he will say the Gardaí investigated and found there was no crime committed, but nonetheless, people will always be able to remember that you know a friend of Leo Varadkar was given a confidential document by him uh, as as Taoiseach, and when this was revealed, he had to apologise profusely. So that. Um, error of judgment on his part uh, is still stands on the record, regardless of what the, 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 what that there was no ultimately uh, no prosecution uh, brought. So it's kind of viewed that you know Leo kind of owns the Fianna Fallers one there because they stood stood by him yes. uh, throughout that that whole uh, affair. In the end, you know Robert Troy ended up in that that situation where you, you become swamped by revelations coming out and inability to kill it off. And what people are looking at, really, from the outside is looking at a, a government architecture where you're saying you've got so many ministers and uh, advisors and, and so on, both at, at ministerial, government and, and party level, uh, and yet you're incapable of shutting down something like this. So possibly a victim of the fact that it was it was the middle of August and people were on holidays and it was an other, otherwise quite media agenda whereby yes. he was the focus of, of so much uh, attention. But ultimately he, he ended up uh, in, a, in a situation where it wasn't just the, the original uh, misdemeanor on his part in terms of, of not adequately filling out uh, those ethics declaration returns as he is obliged to do so uh, under the law. Uh, it was just the, the drip drip effect of further details coming out uh, about his 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 property holdings uh, and whether he was uh, abiding by all the, the rules and regulations in terms of of being uh, a landlord and so on. And ultimately, he went. And you saw a, a tipping point basically once you had people in in Finnegale kind of kind of breaking ranks, not really wanting to to defend them. Uh, Josefa Madigan, for for example, uh, there, um, once Eamon Ryan came out and basically suggested that there should be a triple investigation into him by the, <laughs> the Standards and Public Office Commission, the, Res- the, the Rental Watchdog, and, and an Oireachtas Committee, you were just looking at it going, but how, how is this guy's position uh, tenable? And he was effectively then gone uh, within 24 hours. So, kind of a a damaging one, really bad in terms of, of the optics uh, and the public perception. Now, some politicians you'll talk to will say, well, listen, this is classically not something that's coming up on the doorsteps, which, which you know, they often do say. Uh, but nonetheless, yeah, people probably have bigger worries in their lives, uh, such as the, the cost of living uh, crisis, rising energy prices. Uh, and general inflation. So, you know, will, will Robert Troy's, um, the property portfolio enter into ordinary people's lives? Probably not, but it didn't really show that you had a government in charge at this particularly, uh, sensitive period yes. of time that was in touch with what you'd regard as the ordinary man. Now, the cost of living crisis uh, that we're seeing, across the world, the energy crisis, uh, and also food uh, is a driver of that crisis. Uh, just before we began to speak to each other, the Department of uh, Public Expenditure have been in negotiations all night. It was at six o'clock uh, this morning. They finished negotiating and there, an offer has been made, I understand. Nobody wants to see strikes in the 
present economic world we're living in, the offer to the public service, it, I, as I understand it, Fanon, 6.5% for, that's for nurses and others in the public service, firemen, uh, fire, fire fighters, as they're now called, for everybody in the public service. It doesn't quite match the inflationary figure at the moment, which I think is around 8%. But it is a very important negotiation between ICTU and the government, and it would be very significant and important if it's agreed amicably. Do you think that figure will be enough? Well, I mean, the, the difficulty is that it now has to go back to the, the representative trade unions and their members might well look at it and say, well, maybe that's the best you can negotiate, but we're still, still not, uh, happy with it. So there's always, uh, that risk there. We did have the classic, uh, breakdown in talks, uh, in, in June when the offer on the table was a 5%, uh, yes. over, over two years. Now it's six, uh, and a half percent with, with some more measures weighted at, at those, uh, on, on, on lower pay. So, you know, the, the, the trade unions will, would now have this sensitive period where they have to ensure that they, they basically sell this, uh, to their members as, as the best that, that can be done. But, but nonetheless, people will be looking at it going, okay, but it's not, it's not, it's not even matching inflation. So it's, it's broken down. It's it's to to call it over over two years. It's it's almost including this year. Uh, in 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 that, uh, there's you know the three the, the initial three percent looks like it'll be backdated to earlier this year. So there should be some catch up uh payment there. Then you have another two percent kicking in uh in in March, uh, and then another one and a half uh kicking in later. Uh, next, next year. So from the government's perspective, it is important to nail this one down to be able to say, yeah, we have a public sector piece. It, it is then, of course, we're, we're not in the old days of social partnership where the private sector are included in this. That still remains, uh, a, a free for all. Yes. But the, the budget arithmetic, uh, for the budget, which will be delivered, uh, in, in less than a month's time was factoring in that there would be a public sector paid deal. So they'll be able to say, look, you've, you've got your six and a half percent, uh, over the course of effectively the, the next uh, year. Uh, and from on top of that, then you have whatever measures are in the budget, uh, in terms of alleviation, uh, of, of of, uh, of, of taxes, uh, to, uh, allow to, to widen bands, for, for example, we're not really expecting any rate, rate cuts there and any other measures that are, that are come forward in terms of cost of living, uh, be that social welfare or additional payments in terms of the energy bills. So I would think the government's perspective, they will be trying to say, look, this is a good figure, but there is more to come, uh, on, on top of it. Yeah, let me ask you a question about the politics of public service now. We hear stories, Finon, of nurses who can't find accommodation, teachers uh, who can't find accommodation uh, near their place of work. They're also on relatively low incomes, so they can't afford rents. Now, we're not the only country in the world. In Britain, it seems very severe indeed. But is there a danger? The public service will lose people who want to be teachers, 
who want to be nurses and doctors, but at a certain point in their lives, they simply won't be able to either A, afford uh, to do it, B, uh, get accommodation that is suitably close to their place of employment. Are we looking at something really that will have a serious political impact if people of that nature and caliber cannot be accommodated uh, in terms of remuneration? Well, you, you, you almost have to to look at this uh, in two parts. While government will, will come back and say, well, okay, we're, we're, we're increasing pay and people can weigh up whether that's, that's sufficient, it, it doesn't address the the housing yes. and accommodation crisis. So you almost want a, a separate package to deal to deal with that. Phenomenally difficult now when you're looking at uh, what the official figure is around what five hundred and six grand of the average house price uh, in in Dublin. Uh, when you look at the lump sum that people have to have uh, on the table. Uh, to even to even be able to, to put a bid in on a house, extraordinarily difficult to see yeah. how your average, the, the, the I suppose the what we call the Copperface Jacks couple of the the nurse and the guard, how their combined income can come anywhere near being able to afford a, a home in Dublin, and and similar uh, impacts you'd have to say. Uh, in in other cities yes. uh, around the country, and even availability of accommodation to rent being an issue at this point. So the jury is still out. You can look at this and go, okay, well, look, six and a half percent. We're expecting inflation to be running about seven eight percent. So maybe it more or less matches that. Once you you add in what comes out uh, of the budget, but the, the jury is very much still out about whether. Uh, the the housing plan, housing for all that the yes. the, the government uh, are are currently rolling out, whether that's actually going to have a, a sufficient enough impact. Because what what your your teacher and your guard are competing with is basically workers in areas like tech, yep, and uh, pharmaceutical, where. Salaries are, are substantially higher, uh, even at a, a very uh, young age. So they're they're trying to go out into the market and compete with people who have got vastly more spending firepower with them. So th- this public sector pay deal, it w- it'll be interesting to see in the fine detail. Uh, is there is there any kind of wording around an acknowledgement that the accommodation crisis is yes. is, is still massively there and it, it will impact? Uh, lower, particularly lower paid public servants in those in the earlier stages of their career, or is it just going to say, well, look, this is the pay side and you'll have to deal with the, the housing issue yourself. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Now, this is a peculiar session of Parliament because Michal Martin, in three months' time, will vacate the Taoiseach's office and Leo Varadkar, the Taunisha, will become a Taoiseach. And, of course, there will be other changes. For example, uh, key ministries like finance and health will change, maybe housing as well. How have they worked? It appears that they've worked... This is um, Michal Martin uh, and Leo Varadkar. They've worked rather well as a pairing. Uh, there hasn't been too much bickering that I've seen, but you'll be a, you're a lot closer to it. Can there be a smooth transition? And uh, of course, the other question is: there are many people I understand in Fianna Fáil who want Michal Martin to step down as leader of the party when he steps down as Taoiseach. That's quite a big battle, isn't it, that's looming? Yeah, he, he, he's not gone yet. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, the power will start to ebb away uh, quite rapidly now as soon as things come back. So September 27th, we're basically looking at the, the, the budget. You know, obviously the T-shirt uh, will will have a you know be quite prominent uh, over the course uh, of those days. Once the budget and the kind of the fallout is out of the way, uh, you're into you know early October and a couple of weeks of, of you know whatever um, talking points emerge from the budget. From there on, basically the political agenda is going to be all about right. So who's up? Who's down? Who's in? Who's out? Yes. Uh, in in the cabinet reshuffle. Now the deal is done. I mean, it seems to be quite straightforward. What what's written in the program for government uh, is that there will be a, a transition of the the Taoiseach, uh and and Tarnish's roles between Fianna Fáil uh, and Fine Gael. What what's not really written is what what happens th- then uh, beyond that. Leo Varadkar now clear to take up the office of the Taoiseach again. Michal Martin there, therefore switches into the, the Taunus's role. In terms of Michal Martin, no anticipation that at this particular point in time he is going to stand down. But nonetheless, a lot of people in Fianna Fáil, even supporters of him, are, are kind of looking at it saying, okay, but we don't really expect him to be leading us into the next general election. So an appropriate time 
probably stand down will be in 2023 before the 2024 local European elections, uh, allowing someone to, to step into that role. Now, there, there would appear at this point in time to be two contenders to replace him. Michael McGrath, the public expenditure uh, minister, and Dara Bryan, the, the housing minister. Yeah, and, and M- McGrath is a constituency <laughs> colleague. So, there, so the geography, the geography <laughs> comes into play there. Do Fianna Fáil, there's talk of people in Fianna Fáil want a, a, a Dublin leader. Um, they, they want someone who's back in the heart of the action. What the, the late Seamus Brennan used to call, you know, the, the cockpit of any government. Uh, formation was your your presence in Dublin, the number of, of seats you can take from the right. 50-55 odd seats that are there. And there will, of course, be more at the next general election with, with the seat numbers uh, increasing. The, the, the nitty-gritty of the, the reshuffle does matter in this regard because Michael McGrath is expected to swap roles with Pascal Donoghue, with, yes. with Michael McGrath becoming the, the Minister for Finance. Because underneath the rotation Taoiseach, you also have a Fine Gael Attorney General is supposed to come in, a Fine Gael Government Chief Whip is supposed to come in, and the finance and public expenditure jobs are supposed to swap. Otherwise, you end up in a situation where Fine Gael have got the, you know, two plum jobs in government, the Taoiseach and yeah. the, the Minister of Finance. The only caveat you would attach to this and, and that this argument is, is playing out at the moment. Pascal Dunhue, the Minister of Finance, also holds a, a very senior and influential role yes. at EU level as chairman effectively of the finance ministers of the countries that, that, that are in the Eurozone. So the Eurogroup presidency is, is, is quite uh, a bonus for Ireland uh, in terms of our place in the, in the EU, our ability to negotiate, yes, build relationships, and there's all sorts of stuff coming down the track. Uh, Brexit is probably going to flare up again once Liz Truss uh, takes over as, as pr- Prime Minister, potential for, for a recession, and we have a, an energy crisis. So having a guy in a, in a plumb position uh, in Europe is kind of important, but nonetheless, it looks like as of now, he's also going to have to step down from that role uh, as of mid-December. Right. And now he appears to be a serious politician who has done a very good job. Am I uh, wrong about that? Yeah, he, he, economically, he's done a very good job. Politically, uh, he has got substantial critics really? uh, within, yeah. within Fine Gael. Uh, they look at him and say at the last general election, he wouldn't open the purse strings in advance when they were, the argument was right. the economy is sufficiently recovered here. There's room for more spending. You need to spend more money. If we're going to win the general election, he wouldn't do that. He was also the director of elections for Fine Gael in that. Uh, their campaign didn't, didn't go particularly well. Right. I mean, ultimately, if, if the mood is against you, your campaign tends not to, not to go well. It doesn't really matter who's running for you. So uh, there was a lot of bitterness and backlash within Fine Gael. Uh, over that. He then goes on to become Minister for, for Finance again, does a, a significant and substantial uh, a job uh, during the, the COVID-19 crisis where we basically released 48 billion worth of, of funding uh, to employees, to workers and society yes. a, as a whole. Uh, and a lot of those measures devised by him uh, effectively over the course of, of that of that chaotic weekend around the, the Patrick's Day 
uh, around St. Patrick's Day. He also, of course, negotiated a deal for us uh, on our corporation tax, whereby there was unrelenting pressure. We were going to have to give in there on our 12.5%. But he did get concessions. We've signed up to a minimum rate of 15%. But it'll still apply to smaller Irish-based uh, companies who are under the, the kind of 750 million revenue mark. They will still be paying at the lower rate, and they'll, the government will also be able to offer uh, relief on on research and development. And people within government are saying, if Pascal Dunne, who had not been chair of the Eurogroup, we wouldn't have got a deal as as good as that. Yes. So there is tangible advantages to Ireland to having somebody uh, in that in that position. Michael McGrath, it's it's very important. If you if you look back over the, the history of, of Fianna Fáil leaders, uh, not in all cases, and obviously Michael Martin being an example of this, but it, it's kind of deemed to be kind of a rite of passage within Fianna Fáil for you to become leader to have held the, the Minister for Finance right. portfolio. So it's important for him to take up this role. That would make him then the front runner uh, to be to become the next uh, leader of Fianna Fáil, given that he's he's put in charge uh, of of the economy, there is an argument actually that politically you'd be better off leaving him in public expenditure because he has proven more effective probably than a series of of uh, of Fine Gael ministers over the last decade in terms of of selling budgets uh, to to the public and having an understanding about. Uh, where where are the, the pressure points and the sensitive areas where you need to put some in investment, uh, particularly on the on the social welfare uh, and health side, to alleviate some pressure and and, and get you a, a bit of a, a political bargaining chip. So he's been quite effective in, in that regard. So that upheaval is going to be interesting as well because you're beyond that. We don't know. We kind of figure all bets are off in terms of who's taking up what portfolios uh, beyond that in terms of the parties. But nonetheless, not really anticipating massive changes in personnel. Most people believe that Michal Martin uh, and Leo Varadkar will be relatively conservative in terms of the changes that they will make. Right, just a final question, Phil, and we're very grateful to you for enlightening us on these matters. At the Bell and commemoration uh, of Michael Collins there last week, uh, both Michal Martin and Leo Bradker spoke. And, of course, they have been in government now for uh, two and a half years. They'll be in for another couple of years. This seems almost an inexorable sort of direction or sense that in the face of Sinn Féin's strength, that those two parties would need to stick together. Because in the case of Fine Gael, they have outright uh, said they are not going in to a government with Sinn Féin, whereas Fine Fáil have been um, characteristically, one has to say, open-minded about this prospect. Is, where do we go in the medium term in terms of these two parties signing up together to fend off the horrors of a Sinn Féin government. Uh, I put horrors there in, in inverted commas because I'm not against anybody or for anybody when, for that matter. Uh, is there a, a possible alliance, in other words, to fight the next election and say, look, it worked for us last time, this is what we're going through now, why not give it another go 
and keep the shinners out. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Civil War yeah. pretty much created a, a rather unique uh, political scenario in Ireland where you had, you know, w- one grouping effectively breaking off into what, what ultimately became uh, two parties, Fianna Fáil and Fianna yeah. And o- over the years, you know, I suppose go back a couple of generations, and it was it was quite clear households were either Fianna Fáil or, or Fianna Gael, and people were quite clear on what the differences was. Or in more recent times, probably particularly since the Celtic Tiger days, uh, people have struggled to say, well, what, what exactly is the difference between these two parties? And given that they've entered government uh, together, given the kind of social changes that have happened uh, in Ireland over over recent years, you're now basically looking at the two parties going, right, so they're both centrists, they're both very pro-European, uh, pro-enterprise, they want to keep taxation uh, low. There's some differing opinions uh, on the personal taxation side, uh, how much spending and, and the role of government, but but not massive, you'd have to say. That would have been normal in, in many parties around the world, different views in that regard. Uh, and it, so if you're looking at the two of them going, well, Fianna Fáil kind of centre-left, Fine Gael kind of centre-right, but neither of them would fit into what you would regard as yeah. a, a right-left uh, division that you have in, in other countries where you tend to have a, a conservative party and a, and a socialist party, uh, of, of some form. So yeah, there is a, a, there is after a hundred years still that natural alignment between the two of them. It has been quite, you know, it's quite surprising as well that it, it's taken this long given their dominance of the, the political, uh, seen here over the course of that century, you know, there was a, there was, it was profitable for both parties to paint the other as the arch enemy. Uh, it meant that they, they dominated the landscape. But now that, that's changed. Now that a, a new foe for both, uh, has yeah, risen in, in, in the form of Sinn Fein. And power is very addictive and they're used to it now together. And uh, Mary Harney famously said that the worst day in government was better than the best day in opposition, which is a rather uh, interesting um, description of politics uh, anywhere. It, it would serve their chances of getting back into power, it, would it not, if they could reach some agreement? It, it seems it, it suits both parties at the moment to adopt the positions that they're taking. Fine Gael, uh, positioning themselves as as very much the, the anti-Sinn Féin uh, yeah. party put us in to keep them out uh, that, that that's fine probably suits very much Leo Radcar who would be kind of very much more, more right wing than than uh, some of his, his predecessors uh, would have been so that, that suits his agenda Fianna Fáil less so they're very much caught if they were to rule out Sinn Féin then you're only ruling in Fine Gael. Do you really want to go into a, a general election where you're seen as the kind of the, the makeshift that's going to put Fine Gael back into government and be their, their junior partner? So Michal yeah. Martin is trying to position themselves in terms of keeping their, their options open. But nonetheless, he's made it quite clear um, during the lifetime of this uh, doll that there, he has no love for uh, Sinn Féin whatsoever. Of course, that, that situation can evolve. And ultimately, come the latter, you know, come the next general election, it is still likely that whoever wants to go into government is most likely going to need um, Fianna Fáil. 
because you're we're now the dynamic that has emerged since the general election is that Sinn Fein's popularity has continued to rise. Fianna Fáil has, has gone back down again. Fianna Gael has, you know, more or less stayed the same. They went up, they went down, they've now stabilised uh, again. And really, the smaller parties haven't really gained any ground. The Green Party, Social Democrats, uh, Labour, uh, people who are profits, not a whole lot there. And, and if anything, Sinn Féin will, will probably pick off some of those. So we're probably not looking at that big a, a dramatic change in terms of party alignments after the next general election. As of now, you'd say Sinn Féin will be quite substantially the biggest party in the next doll. Yes. However, they still won't have enough to, to form an overall majority and therefore will need somebody else. But at the moment, you'd have to say Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and the Green Party or one of the other smaller parties would still have enough on the current arithmetic to form a government. Now, people in Fianna Fáil will probably argue they, they can't really uh, uh, weather another term in office with, with, Fianna Fáil, with Fine Gael for their brand not to be completely and utterly diluted. And Michal Martin survive after the December changeover. He has plenty of enemies in his own party, doesn't he? Yeah, I, I, I would think for a couple of things have to have to play out there. What what role does Michael Martin take up as well as being tarnished? Uh, I'm hearing for some time back, he, he fancies going back to kind of the education system. He created the Department of Higher Education. Yes. Uh, he, he'd like that to be kind of a son song. Does he really want to go into something like foreign affairs? Or he has to go back up to Hillsborough Castle for, for three sleepless nights to try and get the DUP <laughs> and Sinn Féin to, to agree things. He sure as hell doesn't want to go back into the Department of, of Health again. So that would look to be maybe, maybe enterprise, but he's, he's been there before. That, that's the issue. So that would look like a, a kind of a, a class of a swan song for him. And if he was to go down that route, then it would be expected that, that he will go before the next generation. I think that the reshuffle will obviously be quite key. What positions do the likes of McGrath uh, and and Dara O'Brien uh, take up? What is the assessment of their performance uh, to date, and can they show delivery over the over the course uh, of of the next year to show that yes, they are ready to step up to become uh, leader? Because the other pretenders who are outside the camp, they haven't really amounted to to much. Jim O'Callaghan, you know, director that, of elections that got a Ivana Bachik into the dog. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the star faded quite rapidly, and that that by-election performance yeah. con- contributed to that. Barry Cowan's uh, issues from his resignation still haven't really been been uh, resolved, uh, and the fact he's outside the government, it, it's it's immeasurable. You know, the, the, obviously somebody who can you, you build up experience within government that strengthens your credibility so much that it's hard to look uh, beyond uh, those two. So maybe we have a scenario uh, in around about 12 months time when we're looking at a, a new leader of Fianna Fáil to bring them into the, the, the next uh, general uh, election and then it'll be up to that person to redetermine really well, where do they stand in terms of, of Sinn Féin uh, coalition alignments and Fianna Fáil's future uh, setting out a vision for, for the party's uh, identity. It's, it's not an easy task because if you look at it at, at this stage, the emergence of Sinn Féin does mean that we are kind of finally going to fall into line with, with 
the likes of, of most European countries where you have a, a left and a right wing divide in, in, in your, in your political system. Yes. And that is very much teed up to favor Sinn Fein, uh, and Fine Gael. Okay. Thank you very much indeed, Finon, for bringing us up to date on where we are politically. Finon is the Ireland editor of the Irish Independent. And we're very grateful to Finon, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.